But we're going to talk about this question here. I've got a friend who uh, thinks Christians are hypocrites. And our scripture reading today is from the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 6, verses 39 to 42. And um, I've put those verses in your outlines. And I've also got those verses up on the screen. So let's read together Luke chapter 6, verses 39 to 42. Luke six thirty-nine to 42. He, that is Jesus, also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. This is God's word. It's called spray on mud. Spray on mud. Uh, it was a novelty product sold in England a few years ago. And uh, it was labeled the ultimate accessory for urban dwelling SUVs. Spray on mud. I'm not making this up. It's designed to keep others from thinking that you're just another prissy city dweller. In just a few short seconds, you can give your suburban neighbors the impression that you're an off-roading adventurer and that that, that you use your SUV for more than just hauling the kids to soccer or, in England, it's football. What's in the can? Mud. It's just canned mud. Now, of course, it's filtered mud because you wouldn't want the real stuff denting and chipping your paint. I mean, you know, there's limits, right, to impressions. But for apparently for about 15 bucks a can, you can purchase the appearance of authenticity. That's, that's, how, that's how inexpensive you can purchase authenticity. 15 bucks a can. I can't find any of this stuff in the U.S. I mean, I've looked high and low on the internet. I can't find it on uh, Amazon. I just can't find it at all. So it's either sold out or what? I don't know. But I know another product that's selling like hotcakes. Your friends have said as such. It's a product called Spray on Jesus. Spray on Jesus. It's not even 15 bucks a can. And you could put on a thin layer of Jesus-like spirituality and give others the impression that you're someone that you're not. And the Bible calls this hypocrisy. And some of our friends 
have kind of been turned off by this. Thus, in our series, I've got a friend who, I've got a friend who thinks that Christians are hypocrites. Here's what some of you wrote about your friends. Remember the uh, little index card survey we took in June, and I asked you to respond to the statement, I've got a friend who? Here's what some of you said. I have a friend who is sick and tired of the hypocrisy of Christians in the church. Christians are judgmental. They treat some people poorly. They show favoritism. They're a Sunday saint and a Monday ain't. I have a friend who has been wounded by a person who called themselves a Christ follower and now will not consider Christ himself. I have a friend who has no use for the local church or religion due to her perception of the church's response to the persecution of the Jews during World War II. She feels that the church did less than nothing. She has a heart of gold too. I have a friend who thinks Christians are hypocrites. Ouch. <laughs> you know, how do we, what, how, what do we say? How do we respond, you know? Well, you know, maybe some of our friends just have a chip on their shoulder and they're using this as an excuse not to consider the claims of Christ. That may be possible. Maybe they're just you know, making this an issue. And, or maybe they've got a point. Maybe they've got a point. Uh, it's a, certainly a point that Jesus himself made. And so this morning I want us to consider what Jesus has to say about hypocrisy, about uh, uh, giving others the appearance that we are someone that we're not. And what I want to do this morning is just simply answer three questions on your outline. The first question is this, what is hypocrisy? And, and uh, what I want to do is I want to let Jesus define hypocrisy. How did Jesus define hypocrisy? What is it? How did he describe it? That's question number one. Question number two is this. What, what drives uh, us to act hypocritically? What causes that? What's the fuel? Question number two. And then question number three is, what's the cure? How can we overcome hypocrisy? All right? What is it? What causes it? What cures it? Okay? Now, before we go on, I just feel like I need to communicate this. Um, and you know, sometimes I come down here on the floor, and I know that may be a challenge for those of you who are a little further back, but I just, you know, we're having a conversation here. And I don't know, I'm into this message maybe five minutes now, and you may be thinking, okay, here we go. I'm going to get the shields up. The pastor's in a grumpy mood, and he's going to let us have it. No. Actually, I'm in a really good mood. Um, I, had, I had a great breakfast this morning, talked to my mother, had wonderful coffee, and I'm really good for about another hour, you know? So anyway, not, it's not going to be that long. That's, that's about when my blood sugar is going to go down. So I, I'm, I'm really good. I'm in a really good mood. So... So I, I, the scriptures that we're going to look at, Jesus' words about hypocrisy were by and large leveled to religious leaders, people in my business, pastors, scribes, Pharisees. So he's primarily talking to people like me and, and 
as his body, as his church, he, he wants us to pay attention to this issue as well. So, you know, I, I really don't have a rant. Um, what I have is some teaching from our king about how we can be a life-changing community of authentic believers, authentic believers. So, so let's learn together. I'm going to be preaching to myself, and you're welcome to listen in if you'd like. Question number one, what is hypocrisy? How does Jesus define hypocrisy? Well, um, let me give you a three-part definition, and then we'll just kind of break it down. Uh, Here's how I see Jesus defining hypocrisy from the scriptures that we're going to be looking at. Here's the definition. Jesus says hypocrisy is someone who performs righteousness for the purpose of making you think I'm more righteous than I really am or at least more righteous than you. Right? Someone who performs righteousness to make you think that I'm more righteous than I really am or at least more righteous than you. Let's break that down for a little bit. First, with the idea of performing, performance. Hypocrites, Jesus uses this word. And uh, the New Testament comes to us by way of the Greek language. And our word hypocrite comes from the Greek language hypocrites, which is not a religious word. It's a secular word. It simply means actor. Actor. So when you see the word uh, hypocrites in the New Testament, uh, just use the word actors. See, an act impersonated. And you know, the best actors are those that are able to perform the character so well, they're able to step into another identity or step into another persona that, that the real person just kind of dissolves. So it's no longer Meryl Streep up there on the, on the screen. It's, it's Margaret Thatcher. Or uh, that's no longer Daniel Day-Lewis. That's Lincoln. My goodness. And the really good actors, once they step into a part, we Okay. What was that? We don't know. Okay. All right. Okay. Nobody's hurt. All right. Where was I? I was acting, right? Daniel Day-Lewis. <laughs> Daniel Day-Lewis, Lincoln. Play acting. They're able to step into a part. And some of these actors, once they get into their part... They don't break character even after the camera's off. I mean, when they go back into their little stage trailer or whatever, they still stay in that character. That's how seriously they take their craft. They're able to just kind of shut out the 21st century and stay into their role. And you don't even see the real person. All you see is the character. And that's the glory of cinema. That's the glory of theater. You see that and you go, wow, that's amazing. That's, that's moving. That's the, the art and the craft of, of theater. It's entertaining. And Jesus says that when it comes to spiritual matters, when it comes to Christianity, it's not entertaining. It's deceptive. It's evil. Which is why he says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. See, See, hypocrisy is not just performing, but it's performing righteousness for the purposes of making you think that I'm a better person than I really am. So hypocrisy, Jesus says, is about 
image management. It's about trying to manufacture or create an image on the outside that's more attractive, more appealing, more righteous, more moral uh, 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 than what's on the inside. So the hypocrite play acts righteous activities so that others will conclude that there's someone else, someone who's better than they really are, which makes hypocrisy a con game. And as I said earlier, Jesus' harshest words about hypocrisy were leveled at the religious leaders of his day. I'm thinking of Matthew chapter 23, verses 25, 27, and 28, where he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, actors, actors! Will you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside... They are full of greed and self-indulgence. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, actors, hypocrites. For you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others. You see that? The performing of righteousness to make you think that I'm a better person than I really am. Outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. And what's that look like? Well, he's talking, you know, he was talking to religious leaders. And so it, can, it looks like a pastor who's able to perform the professional duties and responsibilities competently, competently enough on the outside to divert people's attention away from an interior world which Jesus says is lawless or the Wild West. Outside, there's professional competency. But on the inside, it's the Wild West. You got a pastor here that's on the outside looks good, but on the inside, their interior world is, is, is rotting with envy. Maybe they see other pastors or churches that may appear more successful and makes them envious of that. Or, or maybe they have an interior world. On the outside, they're able to present and teach well so that people don't even bother to think that maybe their interior world you know could be decaying with anger or frustration on the outside it appears really good but on the inside you know you may have a impure immoral heart you see religious leaders are the prime target of these words And hypocrisy can also infect God's people who stand and sing on a Sunday gathering, praises to Jesus, but then during the week, that same person's just got a dirty, filthy mouth. Or believers who appear righteous on the outside, and they shake hands and enjoy fellowship in the foyer at church, but... To those same people during the week, they cheat one another in business matters. See, 
appearing more righteous on the outside than you are on the inside. It's hypocrisy. Performing? Performing to be more righteous on the outside than you are on the inside? And then, and then there's a third part of this definition. Hypocrisy is uh, uh, performing, performing to look more righteous than I really am or at least more righteous than you are. So there's an element of comparing, right? They play act to appear better than others and hypocrisy happens when I compare myself to someone else and I'm pointing out what's wrong with someone else for the purpose of, of, of making myself look better, shining the spotlight on somebody else's faults and sins in an attempt to, to uh, minimize my problems and magnify my righteousness, magnify what's wrong with them and, and so that I, I don't have to deal with my faults or sins. And that's really what was behind our scripture reading in Luke's gospel regarding specks and logs, right? Why do you see the specks? that's in your brother's eye but do not notice the log that's in your own eye how can you say to your brother brother let me take out the speck that's in your eye when you yourself do not see the log that's in your own eye you know where I think this shows up more than any other relationship I think it shows up in marriage it does you know my beautiful wife comes to me and says Randy I've got some, uh, you know, I got some things that I want to talk to you about that I think will help you be a better man of God. And she approaches me and she tells me these things and all of a sudden my nose gets up. Do you know who I am? (laughs) Do you know who I am? Okay, well that may be, what you said may be true. But at least I don't do what you did last week, blah, 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 blah. You ever heard that? You ever said that? My goodness. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're willing to admit that, you know, nobody's perfect in marriage. We're imperfect, and, and yes, uh, 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 you know, uh, I'm imperfect, and my spouse is imperfect, but here's, the, here's what it is. Here's what it is. We're just convinced that my spouse's imperfections are really what's causing the dysfunction in our marriage and not mine. And so what she needs to do is she needs to fix her huge imperfections and I'll just kind of take care of mine and things will get better. Is that what Jesus says? No, that's not what Jesus says. He says, you hypocrites, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the speck that is in your brother's eye or your spouse's eye, you see. Hypocrisy. Performing righteousness to make you think that I'm a better person than I really am, or at least better than you. Now, since your friends brought this up, allow me to probe. Does anybody here think that by just being here, this is going to help your resume? Are you that desperate? Really? 
Where have you found yourself trying to inflate your spirituality to make others think that you're more spiritual than you really are? How's that shown up? Has it? Or maybe comparing yourself to others by spotlighting their faults so that yours will remain hidden. Where have you seen that in your relationships, at home, at work? And what's driving this anyway? What's, what's causing this? That, that's question number two, isn't it, right? What is it that fuels the hypocritical spirit? Well, Jesus tells us. He gives three reasons. And the first is this. We often act hypocritically because we crave the approval of others. We want to be seen. We want to be praised. We want others to think highly of us. This is why he says in Matthew chapter 6, uh, 6 2, thus when you give to the needy, sound no trumpets before you as the, hip- as the actors do in the synagogues and streets. And why do they do this? 6 2, that they may be praised by others. And then what about in chapter 6, verse 5, regarding prayer? And when you pray, you must not be like the actors. They love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners. And why? That they may be seen by others. And, and then what about fasting? When you fast, don't look gloomy like the actors, for they disfigure their faces. Why? That their fasting may be seen by others. This craving for approval this addiction to my own significance to the degree that I I want to be seen by others and Christ says if that's what you're going after then that's all you get truly I say to you he says this in 62 65 616 truly I say to you they have received their reward you if that's what if you're going after the approval of others then you may get that You may very well get that. You may get the approval of your peers, but you will not get the approval of God. You won't get his smile. You won't hear him say, have you considered my servant Job? There's no one like him, and you won't get any reward in heaven. You won't. When you play act before the audience of the world versus an audience of one, you may hear the thunderous applause of earth, but Jesus says, I guarantee you, heaven will be silent. God's not impressed. But that's why people act hypocritically because because they want the approval of other people more than they want the approval of God. And there's another reason why we act hypocritically and I hinted at it earlier. It's often for the purpose of covering or hiding sin in our own lives. So, So in this sense, hypocrisy becomes not just a mask, but it becomes makeup to cover the blemish of our sin, to cosmetically divert attention from ongoing unchecked sin in our own lives. So, so a hypocrite will say, I'm going to act this way in order to divert your attention from what's going on that's unholy in my life. And um, I'm thinking of Luke chapter 13, where Jesus was the guest speaker in a synagogue, and he taught, and there was a woman in the synagogue who had been disabled for 18 years, and Jesus healed her. And the pastor of the synagogue, the synagogue ruler, was indignant at this, and said as such, why, why, uh, 
There are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. And, and Luke 13, verse 15 says, Then the Lord answered him, You, you hypocrites! Dude! Uh, are you serious? I mean, don't you have a donkey? And did you not on this Sabbath day untie your donkey to go water your donkey on the Sabbath, thus working? Did you not do this? This dear woman here is a daughter of Abraham. She's your Hebrew sister. Ought she not be relieved from this 18-year disability that's going on? You see what's going on? This synagogue ruler was acting indignantly, but he had ongoing disobedience in his life. Question. What sin is going on in your life right now, and it's something delicious, and it's something succulent, and it's ongoing, and you refuse to surrender it, and you think that just by being here, going on a missions trip, or tithing, or serving in the nursery, or some other area in the church, that somehow that shrinks it, or minimizes it, or makes it go away? Really? Jesus says. Really? But that's why some act hypocritically. They crave the approval of others, trying to use religious deeds as a cosmetic to cover the blemishes of their life. But then those aren't even the most serious reasons. The most serious reason, the most serious offense of hypocrisy is found in Matthew chapter 23, verse 5. It's just a very, very simple, simple verse. Um, People who play act, want to use God for their own ends. Matthew 23, 5. They do all their deeds to be seen by others. What deeds? Religious deeds. Prayer deeds. Deeds that have to do with God. Those kinds of deeds. So they're trying to, they're trying to use God for something that they deem to be more valuable than God. And that is highly offensive to the Lord. The scandal of hypocrisy is the attempt to exploit God and the things of God for myself. And church family, listen to me. God will never, ever, ever make himself a means to your end. He has absolutely no interest in doing that whatsoever. He's no interest at all in being used by you so that you can get whatever it is you want. And one scholar put it this way, it would be better for the Pharisees to have ignored God than to exploit him as a means to do something else that you value more highly than God. Wow. Hypocrisy. Hmm. Performing righteousness for the purposes of making you think that I'm a better person than I really am, or at least better than you. And we do this to crave people's approval. We do this to hide ongoing sin in our lives. And we do this because we want to use God for our own ends. And God's not going to play that game. Hmm. Is there any cheerful news? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's better from here on out. Huh? What's the cure? Well, what's the answer to every question at Windsor Road? Jesus! 
Jesus, yeah. Jesus is the cure. Really, I'm serious. Jesus is the cure. And I'm thinking of an event that happened in the life of the apostle Peter. In Luke chapter 5, when Jesus was calling the disciples, and it was early on in the ministry, and a crowd gathered by the lakeside, and Jesus said, you know, I need a boat. Gets into the boat, boat rows back a little bit, crowds are on the shore, and he gets into the boat to start teaching. Why did he get into the boat? Well, it was crowded, but also, you know, the wind's coming in off the lake, so it's going to help with sound projection, okay? It was his version of a microphone. And so he's teaching, and after he has this amazing teaching that goes on, the, the crowds kind of disperse. Jesus is in the boat. There's Peter, he says. Let's go fishing. Peter says, been there, done that, all night long. There's no fish, Lord. And Jesus says, we're in a boat. Let's go fishing. Peter says, okay. Because you say so, I will. And they go out, and they bring in the mother load of all fish catches. The nets are beginning to snap, and the boat's beginning to rock and lean. They haul the fish in, and right there in that pile, Peter falls to his knees. Luke chapter 5, verse 8, depart from me, Lord. Go away from me. I'm a sinful man. Now, why did Peter say that? I mean, it's not like they went to church camp for the week and it was the last night. It's not like it was this amazing spiritual conference and they had this altar call and they went, they just got a pile of fish. And yet Peter collapses and says, go away. Why? Well, Peter, you know, he was a man's man. Calloused hands and weathered face by the wind. And, and Peter had seen more than he had wanted to of his share of those who claimed to be the Messiah. See, Jesus wasn't the only one who claimed to be the Messiah in the first century. There were other Messiah would-be saviors, those who claimed to be, and they were quickly discounted as pseudo-messiahs. Peter discounted them. But then the genuine article comes along. The real Messiah comes along. And Peter was just, you know, on the one hand, he was drawn and attracted because he'd never seen so much love, so much mercy, so much holiness, so much patience, so much grace, so much truth. And it was just so attractive to him. He was attracted and drawn to this this amazing holy man. And these disciples lived with Jesus 24-7 for three and a half years. It wasn't like they just kind of saw each other, you know, once a day that it was a staged event. I mean, they lived together, ate together, walked together, did life together. You would see, you would see uh, all that there is of a person there is to see. And they saw all there was of Jesus to see. And they were just transfixed and drawn. And yet at the same time, Peter sees the holiness of Christ and then immediately, just like on the heels of being drawn to, to Christ's holiness, 
Peter is so very aware of his own sinfulness because when you are before the presence of the genuine article, the fakes scatter. And he was drawn to Christ. And he says, ah, I'm, I'm a sinner. I mean, you're, I mean, you're the real deal. I'm the sinner. Go away from me. Reminds me of Isaiah. There before the throne, the hem of the robe of the ancient of days, Isaiah sees the glory of God and he says, woe to me, I'm undone. I am totally undone. And yet he wasn't, was he? And neither was Peter. And neither are you and me. And why? Because Christ took that mask of hypocrisy and he nailed it to the cross. Killed it there when it killed him. And by the power of our Heavenly Father, he raised him from the dead. And Jesus Christ ascended on high and flooded his people with his Holy Spirit so that now they are empowered to become like him. You be holy, for I am holy. And I'm going to give you my spirit so that that can happen. What I'm trying to tell you is that there is no hypocrisy before the holiness of Christ. None whatsoever. The masks come off before the face of Jesus. Therefore, come before the holiness of Christ. Come before the because once you see pure love, pure joy, pure grace, pure truth, then and you have his spirit living in you by his power, we are his body, then you don't have to you don't have to worry about hiding. You can say with the apostle Paul, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I'm the worst. He didn't say I was the worst. He said I am the worst because I, you know, I know who Jesus is. I know who I am. And I know that only he can take this mask off. And when you stand before pure holiness, you don't have to worry about hiding because you belong to him and you've been redeemed and rescued from the dominion of darkness and you've been put into a new kingdom. You have sonship. You are an heir of the kingdom and now you don't have to hide anymore. You don't have to hide. There is no hypocrisy before the holiness of Christ. Come before the holiness of Christ and you know what? That can happen in a place like this and it can also happen in a small group of believers. Brian will be telling you that in a moment. And you know what else? It can also happen as you serve the under-resourced. As you go out these glass doors, you'll see the pillar, and you'll see, uh, you will see the face of holiness in this precious couple in our community, not very far from here, that has a house that you'll see that God's people here are involved with and what's happening is they go to this place thinking I'm going to be Jesus to them but they look to the face of the least of these and they see the face of Jesus just like he said we would you see when you do this to the least of these you've done it unto me see 
There is no hypocrisy before the holiness of Christ. Come before the holiness of Christ. Have you? Um, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do some business with God here in communion. Maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian and you heard that this pastor, Bolting, whatever his last name is, is going to talk about hypocrisy, okay? Uh, And uh, you just wanted to check it out. Let me just close with this story because I want to challenge you if you're not a Christian and if you feel that Christians are hypocritical. Let me just, let me just lovingly challenge you with this story. It's a story um, about a guy named Daniel Meyer who had a really good friend named Gary. Gary wasn't a Christian. Gary was a skeptic. Gary was someone who believed that uh, Christians are hypocrites. But they had a good friendship and there was candor. And so Daniel sits across the coffee table one day and says to Gary, Gary, here's the deal. Uh, When I was growing up, I went to a doctor, and that doctor physically abused me. And so for the longest time, I wouldn't go to doctors. I wouldn't go. But then one day, it hit me, This is my body. These are my eyes. These are my teeth. Okay? This is my physical body. Am I going to let what one quack doctor did years ago keep me from the benefits of medicine? See? And then Daniel said this to Gary. I know that you've had bad experiences with hypocritical Christians. But this is your soul. And are you going to let the bad experience that you had with hypocritical Christians keep you from the proper care of your soul just because some Christians haven't been real doesn't mean God isn't real. Come before the holiness of Christ And the masks come off.